0: Welcome to Relational Introvert, a podcast about the often overlooked people and leadership strengths of the quiet ones. I'm Nancy, and I look forward to sharing stories and lessons from my life, plus inviting other relational introverts to share theirs. This is very much a journey, a path to understanding ourselves and the diversity of people around us, and learning how together we can do better. Join me every Monday and let's see where the road leads. On this episode of Relational Introvert, I welcome my very first guest, Benjamin Warsinski. Benjamin is the CEO of Branded World Inc, which is based out of Chicago. And the purpose of his work is to showcase that play matters. As he says, I strongly believe that there's a missing ingredient in today's workplace, one where creativity is endless and anything is possible. That ingredient is play. Play has the power to bring about new insights, perspectives and ideas. It brings people together on a deeper level, opens communication, and allows for new possibilities. Play matters in the workplace. In talking to Benjamin, one thing that really stands out for me is that he exudes joy. Play matters is not just a notion for him. It's something that he has lived out pretty much his whole life. I hope you enjoy our conversation on this podcast. Be sure to listen, comment, and share with others. And if you want to know more about Benjamin, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn or check out his website, www.brandedworld.co. Welcome to another episode of Relational Introvert. And I want to thank you all for joining in uh, for today's episode. Uh, This is an exciting and special episode because I have a special guest with me today, and I'm really happy to welcome Benjamin Warsinski onto today's episode. So welcome, Benjamin.
1: Thanks so much for having me
0: so it's a special episode benjamin because you are my very first guest on this podcast so you are part of a milestone for this podcast and for me (laughs) how do you feel about that
1: i'm super excited
0: that's awesome so i'm 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 happy to have you on and we'll jump right in i was so you and i i think spoke for the first time, or like connected one-on-one for the first time, like maybe two, three weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great conversation. It was our opportunity to get to know each other a little bit better. And something that you had shared proactively right from the get-go was this, you had said that I'm an introvert. And that was something that just had come out naturally in our conversation. I don't think it was really an inquiry. Uh, It just came out naturally. And so where I wanted to start was, I'm curious about that. How has that piece of you being an introvert played into your life?
1: (laughs) That's such a great question. I think it all kind of started back when I was a kid. Um, So I would just kind of like play, build Lego and like just, I don't know what the right word was. I I just like would spend hours in my head imagining and building uh, Lego in like these different environments and cities and towns. So I would always be able to kind of kind of be off on my own. I could I was I would either draw or I was building or I was reading or, or things like that. So I was always kind of very quiet and kind of off on my own. Uh, and I think that kind of led into being maybe shy <laughs> or socially kind of shy uh in school and things like that because I was so used to being on my own in in how I spent my, my free time.
0: So for you you'd use these certain words of the quietness and and the shyness. So how does that like how does that shape you? I suppose as as you as you progress.
1: Yeah, so I think like how it's it's kind of shaped me is that I've been able to kind of be very productive on my own and kind of in my own space, and so that's been very like a it's been like an asset or like very valuable for for teams and for for the work that I do because I'm able to, to produce a lot of work on my own uh, very efficiently. So I'm kind of like a Team of one uh, that can do <laughs> a whole lot, uh, but I think like over time I've become more more social, more uh, outgoing, and, and things like that as I've kind of just progressed through my career. Because uh, in just uh, general networking, it, it's important to to get people to know you, and the only way people can know you is when you, when you interact and and you know things like that. And so I kind of had to force myself to do that, but it's been it's been really really a like, positive skill set overall to, to have done that.
0: Well, you I mean, it's really interesting. You talked about this idea of you could be really productive on your own. And at the same time, you recognize that that's not the place to be either because your work right now, what you do is you may have the creative side that you might be able to do on your own for a little bit, but really you're doing a lot of work that is engaging other people. And a lot of times people you don't know right away. Uh, so yeah. I'm curious to find out because the, the words that you used early on in describing your growing phase was this idea of imagination and and creativity. So talk a little bit about that and how that has played into who you are today.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. So along with the imagination and creativity, I was always building these cities and towns and like these kind of immersive environments for the Lego minifigures. And that kind of translated into a um, you know, studying Landscape architecture and urban planning in college, which was a very kind of organic, natural progression because I, without knowing the professional terms, I was already kind of doing those things through through play, and so uh, that's where I started off my career. And it was it's really kind of interesting with the design, like the design field, because yes, like designers are creative and like we can kind of go into our own head and, and develop these things, but if we develop within a vacuum. And then we, we present that and we get feedback. That feedback can be harsh or feel critical because we haven't, haven't shared that. And so in urban planning, what I really kind of liked and what I kind of drew away from that was that uh, we don't design in a, in a vacuum or we don't plan in a vacuum. We have these community meetings and we facilitate and we try to get people to, to share their ideas and their input and have them have some ownership in the plans. And that's really translated into the work that I'm doing uh, today in working with organizations and, uh, and either developing the brand or developing the culture or improving team communication and things like that, it's all about the connection and the connection of the people and how everyone is buying into the goal and, and where they're trying to go and how make sure that everyone is on the same team and, and aligned so that we can move forward a lot faster together.
0: Right. And you know, like what I've actually really loved about your story when you and I spoke was this idea of play that's been in your life since the beginning. So you talked about Lego being your thing and it's part of like the work. You are a certified serious Lego. So you are certified in Lego is what I'm trying to get to get across to everybody here. And that's actually really cool because it's, it's a story about how play has been a really key part of, who you are as a person since you were a kid and it's really come through full circle in where you are right now how does that come to be like how is it that you have been uniquely been able to make that connection where there's quite a few of us who maybe have not necessarily stayed connected to the play side of things that we were connected to when we were
1: kids yeah and that that's a great question and the more that I I think about that it's really kind of I remember talking with my dad about what i wanted to, to study what, what i wanted my major to be in in college and we kind of went through my skill sets and he was like well you know you're, you're great at design at you know all these different things at drawing at kind of visual communication like you know maybe like you know landscape architecture or urban planning would be a great a good fit for you uh and you've also done that through lego so you understand you know kind of all those different components and so you know, he's also a licensed landscape architect, so I think he wanted me to kind of follow in his footsteps. But, but really, it was it was a really good assessment of all of the things that I had been doing all of my life up to the, up that, to that point, and those were the things that were I was passionate about and were kind of ingrained in me, kind of came to me naturally, and so it kind of made sense to go to school and to really craft like you know, hone my craft in those areas uh, to then kind of move forward and progress it kind of like was you know going deeper versus like like branching out going going wide Right. Uh, and so I just thought that that was really kind of fascinating Um, now that I kind of self-reflect and think back to that conversation in answering your question if you can think back to what you really kind of like to do as a kid as far as like hobbies or maybe it was arts and crafts or it was some sort of different kind of thing that you did for play but those skills can be harnessed and used in, in your career. That can also bring you joy or make work feel not as much like work uh, and things like that. And so that's, I think that's something to really kind of ponder and think about.
0: You and I talked about this before where we said this idea of play can actually seem like a frivolous activity. We yeah. don't actually, when we, even the word hobby, seems like an extra thing that and that's and maybe that's the definition of it probably too is like it's a side it's a side thing that you do it's not the thing that you do mm-hmm. but what I understand you're saying is you're encouraging people to look at play as the thing like how do you incorporate it as part of the main thing that you do
1: Yeah I mean it's almost like I think of like Marcus Buckingham and the the strengths uh, finder and kind of how he talks about you know if you are doing something and it, and it gives you energy, you should do more of that thing. And so often when we are playing or we're in this state of play and it brings us joy and like we kind of feel like we have limitless like opportunities and and, and anything becomes possible. Those I think I think that's kind of the mindset that you want to be in even when you're doing your work because cuz think about how much more powerful you can be and how you can show up and how you can serve others in that capacity versus being in a different state of mind and trying to serve others in something that you don't really believe in. Uh, and it's so, I, always, I also think about, you know it's so much harder to sell something that you don't believe in versus something that you truly believe in. And I think that just kind of ties in with the, uh, you know, kind of not, not necessarily following your passion, but figuring out what it is that you, that really kind of excites you and gives you energy and that you can turn that into a career or a service or a product or something that can help others. And I think that's kind of the the key um, to to doing that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that idea of where does energy come from and how do you feed into that a little bit more? And and that idea of leaning in, we talk a lot about leaning into difficult things, right? Like there's that, there's that thinking around, you know, when things are difficult, when things are challenging, lean into that. And there's certainly wise, advice behind that too Mm -hmm. there's also value into the point that you're saying is lean into the things that give you joy like there's just because something gives you joy doesn't make it an extracurricular activity it could very well be something that feeds you your soul in a bigger way you know what i'm curious about as you were talking was i was thinking well what if somebody says hey benjamin i get a lot of joy out of knitting (laughs) i'm just saying it so (laughs) what (laughs) what Like, what does somebody do with that? Because that can seem like one of those activities. Like, what exactly is it that I can like, – what is knitting going to do for me? Like, how, how would you – so if someone wants to come to you with something like an activity that seems a little bit out of the blue from, like, a career choice, I suppose, sure. how How do you help somebody understand the bigger picture around the things that spark joy?
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's a great question. The knitting – I'm not, like, an expert in knitting, so <laughs> I'm not sure how to – how to answer, but I think like you know when I think about like a quilt or the finished product. In order to get to that product, you have to start with a vision or and a plan. And kind of if you step back from the the final product, what is it? What are all the the skills and processes that you went through to, in order to to realize that that finished uh, product? And so within that, there's a lot of different skill sets that you could pull that you may really enjoy, maybe you really enjoy the planning process, or maybe you really enjoy the, the vision, uh, and you can help help clients, you know, envision what they want their quilt to be, or, or, or you know, whatever the, maybe it's not knitting, It's maybe it's something else, um, but helping them envision that is a really uh, important skill set, because a lot of people, they have a hard time imagining or, or picturing things in their mind, and so if you can help them kind of visualize that, that that's a, a great skill to, to have.
0: Yeah, um, yeah that's a really good point that's a really good point because i'm thinking even and again i just threw out knitting because that that's just what came to my mind <laughs> i actually know nothing about knitting either <laughs> i do know that it takes patience so as i even think about that you know what i like what you said what aspect of it because there's so many different aspects of it there's the, the visioning yeah. aspect of it there's the end like is it the joy of the end product and for some it might be i just enjoy the pro- the process of Kind of sitting in the quiet and and watching the needle with the thread and just kind of that so is the is the detail of it something that gives you joy then Mm -hmm. then what are the things that you could get that you might be able to get into the detail where people can other people are not able to go into and other people can't see it so so those are the things that to recognize joy because sometimes you mentioned marcus buckingham and one of the things that he talks about is sometimes the things that we're necessarily good at aren't always the things that give us joy. We just we yep. we just, we just became really good at it because by necessity or whatever, we got good at it. So pay attention to the aspects of joy. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. the, when you talk about play matters in a lot of your work, that's what you're we talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I well, want, and so like, you know, the, the term play matters kind of came out of my research in understanding that creativity was the number one skill set that companies are looking for in 2020. And how do, you, how do you really foster creativity? Well, you've got to create an environment where people feel safe and they're willing to share these ideas. Uh, because with any kind of creativity, there's a lot of fail fast and like, a lot of ideas, and you have to kind of work through that and iterate. And you have to be open to, to throwing ideas out. And maybe they're good, maybe they're not good. Maybe they don't fit the objective that you're, that you're working towards. But it, that doesn't really matter. You just have to be able to get them out. That's right. kind of like the biggest piece. And that's where a lot of people get hung up on, you know, they want to be right or they want it to be a finished product right away. And oftentimes that's not the, the case. Uh, but so how do companies allow for creativity? Everyone, everyone, a company wants innovation. They want growth. They want these new ideas. Well, the way that you do that, to me, it's it's through this, uh, getting people into this state of play. And, and that's, and, you know, that's one the one thing that's really missing from a lot of, organizations and cultures is that play is kind of this outside of the work thing, yet within the workplace, we need to be creative and in order to really progress and help our, our clients further. And so it's it's kind of funny because how, how play is missing, but that's kind of also the missing link to ignite the creativity and to get people excited and coming up with ideas uh, and helping solve these complex problems.
0: Right. Well, so I'm curious about something. I know that in my experience, at least, where play came in more naturally in an organization was, for example, meetings. So icebreakers, yeah, usually icebreakers Mm -hmm. or, you know, when you're running workshops to kind of solidify certain learnings or things like that, that's where it came in. Uh, But as you're talking, I'm wondering, could play be more spontaneous, actually, Mm -hmm. whereas it's not such an organized thing as in an icebreaker falls in here, an activity here. You know right. how how might play be a bit more spontaneous so that it's sparking creativity?
1: Yeah, I will, and I think like it's the matter of the environment and making sure that that employees have access to to the the tools. So, for example, if if a company had um, Lego, uh, uh, you know, in, in different areas around the office, they could just go to that that room and they could like get a couple you know, bricks and start putting things together, and that could spark creativity or or figure out you know, this is what I'm thinking and let me build this for you and kind of share what that is. And then, oh, okay, that, that now I understand more of what you're talking about because then I can see this model and I can point to this and ask questions. And right. maybe it, we also add in this piece um, that the, the person didn't think about. And so then you, you're kind of uh, empowering employees to to be creative and kind of be resourceful and to have a tool that can help them find that, that creativity or, or find the, the solutions to these to these problems
0: yeah that's a good point i know that um as i'm talking or as we're talking here one of the things that's standing out to me is we used to do something simple as well where we would have just like pipe cleaners
1: mm-hmm. different
0: colored pipe cleaners that would sit on just on the table so if we were running a meeting and there was no real intention in the sense that you need to build something with these things it was there almost like Remember when you were kids, we would doodle. Actually, I still do Like in meetings. You sit there and doodle. It's the same thing. It's a sparking of this creativity that seems mindless to someone who's looking in to the doodling, but the person who's doing it is almost like there's a creativity piece that's happening for them. They're paying attention and processing in certain ways. So those pipe cleaners were the same thing. And so by the end of the week, for example, in that session, some people would have built these awesome things and others, I don't, you know, you wouldn't quite recognize what they had built, but everyone had used it in the way that fit them. So there was no intention as in, to your point, like for example, the block sitting around, it's not an intention Mm of, we need to build something from it. It was there to just as a creative outlet. So in your thinking process, sometimes just the twisting, the building, the drawing kickstarts this way of thinking that takes us perhaps beyond the agenda that's mm-hmm. lined in front of us. So I feel like that's the same spirit of what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and we also, you know, thinking with our hands, uh, our hands are connected to our, our brain. And so when we're putting things together with our hands, subconsciously, we may be processing things that we don't realize until we're, we're kind of done with this thing that we've, we've built. And then like the connections start, start coming through and that's kind of where the, the magic lies. Yeah.
0: Yes. Now, you know, there's a lot of people who would say about themselves that I'm not really a creative person, or I don't really know how to build something, or I don't really know how to draw or paint or sing or dance. And there's something you and I've talked about in the past as well, this idea of that traditional sense of creativity. Mm -hmm. And is that maybe boxing us in a little bit?
1: You know, I, I think creativity is just kind of, however, you interpret that, and it works across all industries i, I think like the the biggest piece is that you kind of continuously try different things to, to figure out what works or being be open to different ideas i think that's kind of being being creative so for example if you're like in the hr space and you have to recruit a bunch of people and, and each person needs like technology to do their to, for onboarding but you don't have the technology yet how can you be creative to solve that problem? Maybe it's you bring everyone into a conference room and you, you do like it's kind of more of a traditional teaching style in order to get the onboarding information to them and to have them have this, this positive experience. And then you can bring the, the technology, their, their laptops, whatever in later. Uh, but that's kind of a creative way to solve that, that problem. And I, I don't think you have to be a painter or an artist to, to you know, necessarily come up with that, that type of solution. Um, yeah.
0: And thank goodness for that because not all of us are <laughs> painters or sculptors or builders for that matter, right? Yeah. And and I think that's what I like about the work when I, because that's how I look at creativity. I don't really look at creativity simply as the art side of it, even though the art mm-hmm. side of it is beautiful, it's amazing and what can be done in that space and, and folks who can think in that space, it's it's amazing. That doesn't mean that that because the, the reason I said this do we, is it limiting is because sometimes I feel when we look at it solely in that in that contained space yeah there's a lot of people who'd say well I don't fit into that so this play mm-hmm. stuff this creativity stuff the fact yeah. that you said in 2020 creativity is the biggest thing well that means I'm out because I'm not creative
1: yeah sorry I, I didn't mean to cut you off but uh with uh with the workshops that I, I run I get people who say. Well, I have, I've never built with Lego before. How am I going to participate? And, and then once they kind of get into the, the activities, it's not a matter of what you're building or what it looks like. It's the fact that you've put something together and there's the story behind it. And that model now contains the information. And then as you explain that the information around the model and you kind of um, share the – maybe like rotate the model and share the different points – the story comes out, and the metaphors come out, and that 's where all the detail kind of lies and so then, after the the workshop experience, they come up to me and they say you know i've i've never felt creative in my life, but I was able to do that and the The insights that I got from self reflection and from from others in the group has just been transformational it's been just an incredible experience and so I think it's it we also put labels as on ourselves as to what creative is and, and, and is and isn't and it's really just more about doing and, and being versus some sort of label
0: yeah i like that it's about doing and being it's that idea of testing actually this today the one the episode that was launched today for relation relational introvert was about running the experiment like that was that that was the story behind it mm-hmm. and that's completely ties to what you're talking about here is yeah the idea of trying something and and, and, I, and I think the hardest part is the idea that I don't exactly know how it's going to pan out when I try it. I'm just going to try it. And it may not work, but I'm still yeah. going to try it. And the the idea is not so much always the outcome that comes from it. It's also, like, I loved what you said, the stories, the insights that branches mm-hmm. us out to something that we actually never even, it was never even the intention.
1: Yeah. Well, and and just the fact that, like, you're, you're like, almost ready to launch it and you push your stuff and launch it even if you're not fully ready that i think is so powerful because that's when you can actually get feedback because you're not necessarily ready and you haven't it's not perfect it's like well nothing is ever going to be perfect but it's not so planned out to where you're like i know all the different details and how this is all going to go instead you're kind of more like kind of open to to, uh, you know, putting it out there and getting some feedback and then reiterating and and tweaking and, and when you, uh, put yourself out there in that way, people kind of can see that and they, they're more open to it because they're like, yeah, like you're trying this and and we're going to help you. We want to be along for this journey and see like version one, version 1.2, 1.5, like, you know, version two, for example, like when I launched my bricks and brands event last November. I didn't have everything ready. I, I didn't even have the stickers. Like they were in my mailbox, but I was so amped up, I forgot to check the mail. And so I like I I um, did my my workshop, and I had these boxes with the with the Lego, but they didn't have any stickers on them. And I felt kind of embarrassed. But uh, but then when I did the next workshop, and I had the stickers, it, people were like, "Oh wow, look at this! Like it's it's like it's branded and it's this and that." And so like I could see the progression. From, from the first workshop to the second workshop, and then at like the fourth workshop, I had uh, some friends who came they were at the first one and they they went to the fourth one they're like the difference between the first and the fourth was just night and day mm-hmm. and so I think it's just having that being open to to showing your progress people really kind of want to help you and and, and that's kind of where they they want to be part of your your journey
0: I love that i Really appreciate what you said about this idea of if we can, if we're okay with it not being perfect at the very first launch, then we have room, one, to grow, mm-hmm. right? Two, we can experience the joy of growing as well. Because to your point, you said my first workshop to my fourth one, I, I'm feeling good. And the people who are coming back are like, I can see a difference. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then the other piece that you talked about actually interestingly i was chatting with um someone about this last week with this idea of attachment the more time we spend reviewing and looking and and perfecting something the more in love we become with every detail of that thing and so then when somebody gives us feedback even when we've asked for that feedback we become really possessive and so even though that person's giving us feedback exactly in the space that we asked for we're not as open to it because we're so in love with we're so attached to what got created whereas if we had been willing to you know what this is the first iteration i will now take it out here and see how it goes i'm also not as attached and i can i'm okay with the fact that somebody comes back and says you know what i would i would next time i would suggest xyz you can say yeah you know what I, I can see that i probably would have done that but now that's great like now i know that's my 2.0 will include that so i really appreciate that part i feel like that's something that's easily missed in our process
1: yeah well, and, it, and it's so funny because then in, in like design school it was kind of like but like we were told like you know we're going to do multiple iterations and different concepts and, and continually refine to get to the final solution and then when I was like working like I had bosses who were kind of open to the concept to like multiple concepts and I had other bosses who were like well this should be like completed why isn't it finished and it's well, this is the first pass. Like we just got the requirements, for it. we're laying everything out, trying to make sure everything works. And of course, there's going to be changes based on feedback or based on the client uh, or new requirements or, or whatever the case is. But it's funny how in school it was it was kind of they actually wanted multiple concepts and iterations. And then in the workplace, that was kind of a, a hit or miss depending on who what team you're you I was with. Uh, and so it's just kind of really interesting. And and again, so like, uh, relating back to to what I'm doing now as an entrepreneur, it's constantly, you know, putting something together, putting it out there to get feedback and then refining it over time. And I think it's just, uh, it's just really interesting, all the different progressions. And, but I think from design school, that's something that is not taught outside of design school. And I think that it should be, uh, like kind of that fail fast mentality or that, being open to feedback for how to take constructive feedback to continue to refine and and get better.
0: Well, I'm curious to find out from you, how does this idea of put something together, let's put it out there, get feedback, line up with where we started at the beginning, where you said as an introvert, you were just really good at being productive on your own. So how does that line up now?
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think... What I've learned is that I can be kind of stuck in my head uh, and kind of producing in my head. But if I don't get the feedback, then it may, I may be going off in, the, in a different direction. If it's for a client or for it's something outside of like a personal project, uh, and, and even with a personal project, I should probably be getting feedback. To tie it back to that first question, I think it's that yes, I can be very productive on my own, but I think it's also important to to have like outside feedback, or at least milestones of where you're checking in with others to make sure you're on the right path.
0: I agree with that. So similar, I mean, being being a relational introvert myself, uh, I, I struggle with the same thing at times where it's so easy to get into my own head of how to progress mm-hmm. and then leave aside what great input can come in from other people. And I think sometimes to recognize as well, just because somebody gives you input doesn't mean you have to take it. Yeah. Right? And I think that's what happens sometimes is people – look, we might shy away from it because, well, well, that means I have to do something. No, sometimes the input just helps you to think differently. It's not always about, did you take exactly what they said? But I have 100% experienced the benefit of someone either. I mean, even with this, with this podcast coming to life, someone asking me a question that I actually had not even considered is what opened the door for me to go, Oh, I guess I can do that. And, And that wouldn't have happened had I not actually put that out there. Yeah. if i had just ruminated <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: it would be an idea at this point so so there is a balance between the two that it does it's not saying you have to completely be set aside your creative thinking no you have that creative mind there for a reason but the people around you are there for a reason as well and so how do you how do we play with both of those things
1: yeah well and i, I think going along that same theme it's you also have to recognize the audience if you're the creative, but you're creating for your client, you're serving them. And if you don't ask their feedback, you're doing a disservice to them. And so that's, I think, where as, you know, creatives, sometimes like there's that disconnect, like the, the creatives are like, well, I'm, I'm creative, I'll just come up with the idea and and that, that'll be great. But, you know, a lot of times it's, it doesn't work that way. Like, you know, you've got to seek that feedback and you're, you're really creating for them and you're helping extract their vision and making that vision come to life for them. And so if you put yourself in that position, in that mindset of, of how do I best serve my client, it becomes much, much different than if you keep thinking for yourself as a creative, oh, well, I, I know how to do this, and I'm going to just design this or, or figure it out for myself, and they will like it. <laughs> like that's a much different mindset versus actually being in service to, to your clients.
0: Yes, that's a really good point. Thinking starting point being like, who am I serving? And if who I'm serving has never been solicited for any sort of thoughts or ideas, then I'm certainly missing uh, a big, a big piece of it. No, that makes perfect sense. Well, I'm looking at our time here, so we're kind of getting close on time. I'm curious to find out if what might you leave people with as we talk about play and the importance of play, especially as we think about adults. A lot of us maybe don't really think a lot about play. How would you encourage us to think about that in our day-to-day?
1: Yeah, so I think, like, play doesn't have to be anything complicated. It could be, uh, you know, like, taking a few minutes to write, uh, or it could be, like, taking a few minutes and, like, maybe you have a small Lego kit and you want to just build with Lego for a couple of minutes and, like, uh, spark your imagination. That That's what I like to do. Um, or maybe it's it's music or or so, I mean, it's kind of like whatever, whatever you're kind of into, I think it's just a matter of, of setting aside some time each day or each week um, or maybe even, even if, it's, if it's on the weekend, but setting aside time just to be in that area of, of what play is to you because it becomes a muscle. And if you continuously kind of build that into your, your life, then you can kind of start to apply that in other, in other areas uh, as well
0: yeah that's a really good point like how do we learn to build that muscle and i love what you said about pay attention to the things that give you energy and pay attention to things that give you joy because that then will help you not just in that moment but in other areas of your life as well so that's that's really awesome well benjamin i want to thank you for taking the time to be here today and uh, i love uh, this conversation around play and i feel that there's probably a lot of other people out there who either want to know more or maybe even have questions, which I would encourage anyone who's listening to the podcast, like drop it in the comments, share any questions that you might have. And Benjamin, if somebody does wants to reach out to you to find out a little bit more or to just engage a bit more in our conversation, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Yeah, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty easy to, to find if you just type in my name. I think I'm like the only one on LinkedIn with my last name. The other way would be on my website, brandedworld.com co, and uh, you can you can contact me via the contact form.
0: That's great. Well, I want to thank you again, Benjamin, and and for everyone listening in, I I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to get engaged. So again, if you have questions, you if there's something that we haven't talked about, and you feel that we needed to have talked about it, again, drop it in the comments. Feel free to reach out to Benjamin or myself, and uh, I look forward to connecting with all of you very soon. And Benjamin, thank you again for joining today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of Relational Introvert. If you liked what you heard or you're just curious about what's next, be sure to listen to new episodes every Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. And if you know someone else who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them too.